0: Welcome to the Innovation Today podcast, where we speak with today's technology leaders about how they're innovating to stay ahead of changing industry dynamics and reaching new levels of productivity and automation. Brought to you by ServiceNow, your partner in digital transformation. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Innovation Today podcast. I'm your host, David Wilson, Global Area Vice President at ServiceNow. Today, we're excited to welcome Hunter Freeman, Senior manager at Agile. Welcome, Hunter. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be on. Today we're going to dive into the topic of risk. But first, Hunter, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role, and why this topic is of importance right now? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I've been working in the the risk security and compliance space for about seven and a half, eight years now. I uh, started off, you know, functional practitioner out in the field helping build, run, and execute risk assessments, control assurance activities, the whole whole gamut of it. And, uh, now we've really you know transitioned over to, uh, doing service now implementations to help facilitate some of these programs and really leverage technology to help bring these, uh, legacy programs running on email and spreadsheets into the future. And I think that's really, you know, one of the key things risk is everywhere. It's becoming an increasingly visible topic at the board level, senior executives. Uh, It's really coming into its own as an area of focus for a lot of customers and compliance is right there alongside with it from uh, new laws, regulations, it's it's expanding globally. So I think there's, there's never really been a more important time to be thinking about risk and how that impacts our operations and how we need to bring that together with compliance as one more element of risk and also just our broader business strategy.
0: How do you manage technology and cyber risks across the enterprise? So i think it really starts with having um you know a consistent definition of
1: what what are these risks what are we talking about Uh, risk register if you will and that should be a a steady stable thing we should have a good idea of what those common risks facing our business our assets are and then you know really take it from there because we need to be able to talk apples to apples at the end of the day and so we would put together you know that risk register start there and then really look to kind of consistently push that out to the business and the IT operating environment. So I think, you know, holistically, we or historically, we've seen some clients have kind of ad hoc programs, uh, not a consistent way to say, you know, if we're talking about a cloud application, here's the risks that apply. And we might see different risk profiles across all of those. And really when we're trying to manage risk across the enterprise, we need to be consistent about what risks we apply to what items And then how we go assess and measure those. So I think it starts with that consistent risk register and a consistent approach to how we map those risks out to the elements in our environment that we need to manage.
0: There was a recent study by IBM Pondman that showed that 19% of breaches were due to a compromise at a business partner. What are some actions our listeners should take to secure some of those risks with their business partners? Yeah, it's a really good
1: question. So I think, you know, we're we're talking about third party risk management here, and that is absolutely one of the core pillars of any broader risk management program. And so I think what, what people need to be thinking about is how do I determine what are, from an inherent perspective, what are my highest risk suppliers? Who am I sharing my most sensitive information with? How critical are they to my business? We need to have that internal perspective to be able to say, where do we need to focus our attention when we go and perform things like due diligence against these suppliers? And then that's the next step, right? We need to have a comprehensive way to go and assess, and assure, get assurance that these suppliers have the same controls we would expect internally. Because we might be sharing our, our crown jewels with them, our customers' information, patient information if we're healthcare organizations. And we need to really have a high level of assurance. But I think, you know, something we're increasingly seeing, you mentioned the Poneman report, is historically these kinds of programs have relied on questionnaires, things like uh, the SIG, Standard Information Gathering, kind of, you know, Q&A style approaches. But we're referring unstructured data, it gets out there. So yeah, I think we're really seeing, you know, a strong emphasis towards starting to leverage fourth party external observable type solutions, so those, those scorecards. Because it gets us away from just, what are they telling us on a piece of paper? maybe giving us a SOC 2 report. And not to say that those elements aren't important or valuable from a third-party risk, but we can really start to get to that technical level of assurance. So looking at their systems that are, you know, internet-facing, externally-facing, what can we understand about the actual controls they have in place? And really start to dive into that technical security aspect because if we're thinking about a, a breach, that's really where it starts, right? It's going to be at that very technical security layer and we're not always getting to that level in those you know, due diligence questionnaires. We're asking questions like, "Do you manage and monitor your vulnerabilities?" But now we can actually really get down to that level of, "Are they being effective in mitigating these kinds of common vulnerabilities?" And so that's a really powerful lens to start tightening uh, the screws, if you will, on those third parties to say, "Hey, it's great what you told me in this questionnaire, but I'm looking at say, you know, risk recon over here and." I've got a little bit of a different story. We want to work with you. We want to do business together. What can we do to improve this technical security posture so that I have assurance that my data is going to be safe with you or my customer's data is going to be safe with you.
0: That's really good insight. IRM integrated risk management. What does that look like? So that's one of those items where, you know, the the answer's in
1: the name, right? Integrated risk management. And so. When I think of integrated risk management, really where I'm starting to think is bringing together the worlds of risk and compliance. I think in many organizations, these are separate but related functions, but historically, they've been a little more siloed. We're operating in email, we're operating in spreadsheets, and all of that kind of hinders the free flow of information between those two functions. But when we start to integrate those together, we can start having conversations, not just about here's my risks, and here's the controls that I'm going to go implement to mitigate those risks. But we can take it a step further to say, here's my risks, here's the controls I'm going to use to mitigate them, and also these controls are going to serve my broader compliance objectives. So whether that be HIPAA if I'm in healthcare, the FFIC handbooks from a financial services perspective, we don't just want to implement controls to mitigate risk. We want to implement controls to mitigate risk and provide Compliance assurance against whatever our legal regulatory mandates may be, our internal policies and standards, or you know the frameworks. So going back to our third-party risk conversation, maybe I have SOC two certifications. I'm worried about to give to my business partners, so we want to make sure that you know we're really bringing those worlds together and getting the most value out of our control implementation, not just from a risk management perspective, but integrating it with compliance. And that's just one example, you know, when we talk about integrated risk management, I think there's, there's many more layers to that, right? So bringing in that technical security component and really starting to be able to understand in more real time, what are the things I'm doing with my vulnerability management program, my patching, my security monitoring, how is that actually actively impacting my risk profile in real time? So, you know, to to use the buzzword, getting some of that continuous monitoring in place. Used to be I have to get a spreadsheet from the vulnerability manager and here's my open vulnerabilities over 30 days and that's a lot of manual data processing and it's hard for me to actually say, what does that mean for the risk of say, you know, this piece of infrastructure, this application. But as we start to integrate these programs, we can look at that in real time, start using you know the power of systems like ServiceNow where all that data is on one platform to actually automate some of that and make real time you know, information-based decision-making. And that's kind of the holy grail of risk at the end of the day, in my mind. How do we get actionable risk intelligence to drive management decision-making where that data is fresh and reliable? And if it's being passed around an email, that data is going to be stale, there's human error. We're, we're missing on all those counts. But when we bring it into the same system and we get technology working for us, that's how we're starting to be able to say, maybe to, you know, the board or executive leadership. Here's where our areas of risk are the highest. Here's the data to back that up based on what we're doing elsewhere in the organization. This is where we need your help with additional investments, funding, projects to go and improve these controls and get our risk profile down into tolerance. And hey, by the way, this also is uh, impacting our compliance obligation. We're not meeting our requirements with respect to PCI DSS and our cardholder data environment. So it's not just a technical security risk, it's a compliance risk. And that's a really powerful story that you know, senior executives, management, they can actually connect to that. And if they want to go deeper, you can have that real-time information to show them. Um, but we're becoming more proactive, and I think that's really the key.
0: So if I could just summarize that real quick, you need a holistic approach.
1: That's that's a great word to use. Holistic risk management, integrated risk and compliance management, all of those together.
0: So, what is the key to success, and how can companies maximize the impact?
1: I think really one of the keys to success when we're working with customers about you know, how do we integrate these programs, it starts with content, and that may seem a little you know a little simplistic perhaps, but we should have a solid foundation of here's our legal and regulatory mandates, the standards and frameworks we adhered to, and here's our risk register, and let's bring those together with a strong content foundation. So we can say, for my call, it 250-odd risks. Here's the common controls that I'm going to have in place to mitigate those, and here's how those controls tie back against our laws and mandates. And so let's get that content foundation, because if we, if we don't have the right content at the end of the day, you know we can go and build the most beautiful program out there implement these controls all over the place but we're not going to have the linkages and the information to actually drive meaningful reporting out of that at the end of the day how did that satisfy my pci obligations i implemented all these controls but which ones were relevant to pci or hipaa or whatever it may be so getting that content that's really the starting place and when we work with customers that'll be our first recommendation let's get your content Let's use that to build a steady, consistent risk register, and let's use that to map it out to controls that tie back to your compliance obligations. And then that's what we're going to push out into that business and IT operating environment, being consistent about it, and use that to drive our actual risk assessment and control assurance. Got to set the foundation first. It's just like a else.
0: It's really, really insightful. Dare I ask, what is the risk if organizations don't go that route?
1: Yeah. So the risk, if we don't have that strong foundation, is we're going to invest a lot of time, money, and you know effort in a program that may not ultimately be sustainable or actually able to answer the hard questions we're being asked. And I mean questions like your board wanting to know what are our highest areas of risk and how does that actually impact, say, the business strategy? We can't show them a hundred thousand individual risks on systems. We need a content framework to actually roll that up into something that executive levels can digest and understand. So a framework for those risks. It also means we need to be able to answer questions like, how have I implemented controls in my cardholder data environment to support PCI DSS? We don't have those controls tied back to the actual mandates in a tick and tie fashion. We're going to struggle to produce a report that actually says, you know, here's where we have gaps. Here's where we're compliant. Here's where we need to be ready. So we don't want to go down that route only to find out that we can't actually produce the reporting we need to address these internal questions and these external questions. I think another pain point, a lot of clients have probably experienced is we've got multiple legal regulatory mandates that we need to adhere to. They're all auditing me or assessing me independently and separately. I can't have 16 different siloed compliance programs in my organization. That's inefficient. There's a lot of overlap. I'm going to get audit fatigue. I want to have a common control framework tied out to all those regulations so I can go assess once and satisfy many so that when my, say, you know, SOC 2 audit comes in, I can give them a tailored scoped report to say, here's how I'm covering the elements that I'm signing up to in this, uh, in my SOC 2, and then if HIPAA auditor comes knocking or the FFIEC comes knocking. Here's how I'm stacking up against what you care about, but I'm not having to go assess those independently. I assess the same set of controls to answer all of those questions, and I'm just producing a tailored report for the audience.
0: That's very intriguing, and, and thank you for those insights, Hunter. What should an intersection between IRM and VRM look like?
1: Just to be clear, I think what we're talking about vrm
0: here are we thinking uh, vendor
1: risk management or vulnerability management vulnerability yeah so i think that's one of the most exciting areas we've talked a little bit about you know that technical control layer and vulnerability management is probably my favorite example of that that's really where the rubber meets the road right so where we see clients being successful is again when we can get these programs operating on a common solution like ServiceNow. So that we can leverage and have all that data in one place so you know i think successful intersections start to look like i have controls that i need to have in place from a vulnerability management perspective that goes back to my my compliance management my risk management but now i can actually point continuous monitoring at what the vulnerability management program is doing i can see that vulnerability data real time I can have that tied back to, say, assets in my CMDB, which are the same assets I might be leveraging from a risk and compliance management perspective. That that common data model is so incredibly powerful. And so now I'm not passing spreadsheets back from Bob, the vulnerability manager, to Joe, the compliance guy. The system's going to do that for me. And we can have that look in real time and say, hey, we have 30 open vulnerabilities that are rated critical and they're past our policy mandated, let's say 30 day remediation timeframe. That means I have an issue from a compliance perspective, and maybe if that's impacting a specific application, I want to update that risk rating in real time. So we can say, Hey, the residual risk of this asset is trending upwards and we can start to be proactive before that becomes a critical issue before it leads to a breach, we have that visibility necessary to take action and go and mitigate and start actually, I hate to say, you know, proving ROI on a risk and compliance program, because I think that's a, that's a perpetual problem. Many of our clients have faced. How do I put a value on the thing that didn't happen? But this is really how you start to demonstrate some of that value. We saw this in real time. We addressed it before it had a chance to become an issue. And we were able to do that because we had real time access to the data all on one platform. And by the way, we didn't have to go spend, you know, 40 man hours figuring that out. It took 10 seconds. System did it for us.
0: I love that point of view. And I go back to the, the breach comment, right? Let's make this real for our listeners. With almost 2.3 billion records exposed worldwide, as reported in Tenable Threat Landscape Report, this feels like an area organizations should really focus. What, what are you seeing?
1: So I'll I'll give you a real example, because I agree. This is very top of mind for a lot of companies. We worked with an organization, uh, a leading data center services, co-location provider. So as you can imagine, very large infrastructure footprint, technical security, things of that nature. Very top of mind for this organization. It's not just a security issue. It's a, it's a business imperative. And what we were able to work with them was to leverage a continuous configuration compliance. So actually looking in real time at these systems to see, are these controls in place? Actually putting automation through that, powered by ServiceNow, of course. And then to actually connect those results of the configuration compliance monitoring that's going on directly back to that integrated compliance controls register that we were working with them on as well. And so real time, they're seeing what those assets look like, knowing where they need to go and address you know, gaps, uh, implement new controls but also being able to tie that back and cover off on their compliance program reporting and their risk profiling. So it's things like that, I agree. This is absolutely a key concern for a lot of organizations. Our technical footprints are only growing. We need automation. We need these kinds of solutions to be able to scale with them, especially in the current business environment. Staffing is harder than ever. I think, you know, it's it's the year of efficiency or so I'm told. And so this is one of those areas where we can start to get that efficiency and have the solution doing it for us and use that continuous monitoring and the intersection between things like our risk and compliance and security operations programs to really get force multipliers on our value in that regard.
0: With regards to continuous monitoring, I mean, you talked about that term quite a bit there. How is machine learning and AI impacting this space? So I think, you know,
1: That's one of the most exciting things. So, you know, I don't think we have chat GPT or anything fully integrated yet to do our security monitoring. But I see AI and machine learning as really being the next step in that continuous monitoring. So today, you know, there's a little setup that goes into that, of course. We need to define what we're looking for, um, what's the thresholds that we care about. But as we start to bring AI and machine learning into the picture, we can take that really to the next level. So pattern recognition Based on what we've seen in the past around this asset, maybe it hasn't gotten to our threshold yet, but this is not the normal behavior. It's trending more quickly, so I think we can get even more proactive. And, you know, again, it comes back to we can start to expand and scale the scope of the things we're doing that monitoring on without having to rely as heavily on our our human resources to drive that expansion. So getting more efficiency, more scalability and scope and getting more proactive intelligence and an ability to respond to that.
0: If I'm a listener, Hunter, listening to this conversation, where do I start? What is the first step that I should take to take a step back and evaluate where I should go?
1: So I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here, David, but I think Really where you need to start is looking at that content foundation. Do I have a stable risk register? And uh, I emphasize stable because I think something we commonly see with clients is a maybe a confusion about what a risk versus an issue is. And so the risks we're facing, that's usually a fairly steady thing. We shouldn't be introducing frequent net new risks into that register. But we need to have that clear definition and we need to have that tied into our control library with that tick and tie back to the mandates. That's where it starts. Once you have that content foundation in place, that's when we start to go and operationalize this, both through ServiceNow, but also just from the functional program perspective. So our next step is, let's take these risks and controls, let's define consistent profiles, so if we talk about a SaaS application, or we talk about a data center facility, or a change management process, we have a consistent picture of what risks and what related controls from our our content broadly speaking what applies to that particular type of asset and through that we can scale it throughout our environment and be making apples to apples comparisons between our cloud apps our data centers everything that's our next step and then once we've got the that stable foundation we've applied it to our operating environment that's when we start to get to, I think, what a lot of customers are probably thinking of when they think about risk and compliance, my risk assessments, my control attestations or control testing, all the things I'm doing to get assurance around my environment. That's when we start to really layer that in. And that's not to say, you know, it has to happen all in this order. Of course, we need to be doing risk assessments. We need to be doing control assessments. Can't always wait for everything to be perfect, but we need to set that strong foundation and then start thinking about how are we going to scale and expand the scope of what we look at from a control assurance perspective. And I'll actually maybe take one step back. You know, I talked a little bit about that risk register. As part of setting up that risk register, something we would recommend uh, you know, when we work with clients, our starting point is define that risk register, but then let's baseline our risk profile. So if we talk about a risk, say um, around multi-factor authentication, Writ large, if we just kind of put a finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing, what is our inherent and residual risk across the organization as relates to that topic? And then let's do that for every risk in that register so that then when we go apply that risk to a specific asset, we have a starting point. This is probably about where the risk will land. And of course, let's tune that specific to the context, you know, it's data, it's criticality, all of those elements. But get a consistent starting point so that you're not, you know, assessing, doing a risk assessment of an application or an asset and reinventing the wheel every single time. It's also going to help drive some of that consistency. If we're seeing risk ratings wildly, you know, far ends of the scale from what we normally expect to see, that can be an indication either maybe, you know, something's off in our data or it can be an indication that this is really, you know, this is something we need to pay attention to. So just want to take that one step back and say, you know, let's baseline the risk register as a key part of setting that foundation.
0: I think that clearly depicts kind of the journey that you would recommend for for folks to start. I'm I'm curious. You, know, you talked about engaging with different customers. Are there trends you're seeing relative to organizational size, industry, geographic differences?
1: Absolutely. So we, we, we work with customers all across the globe now, every industry. I've worked with financial services, healthcare, technology. I'll say there's there's more that unites us than divides us in that regard. I think we all have consistent concerns about what does risk management need to look like? What does compliance management need to look like? But that's not to say that there aren't, you know, a few trends. I think operational technology uh, has strong applicability to a couple industries, and that's something we're hearing a lot more from our customers about, especially in you know the manufacturing and healthcare spaces. That's particularly top of mind. But in that sense, you know, when we talk about operational technology and how do we manage our risk around that, that's still similar, right? In a lot of ways, to other risk conversations we're having in other industries. It's just a specific application of that to a a nuanced asset type, but definitely a trend towards operational technology conversations. And I think, you know, we're still just seeing a stronger or, or more general trend I'll say towards actually getting to integrated risk and compliance management. I, I talk with customers, you know, all week. And so many of the individuals I talk to are still at that point in their maturity journey where the risk registers and a spreadsheet, or passing these things around through email. And so I think a lot of organizations are starting to see the, the business value that moving to a solution like ServiceNow to bring these things together can actually provide for them in terms of elevating these programs and using it as an opportunity to accelerate their maturity journey. And uh, you know start taking advantage of some of that real-time data and analytics insight that that can enable
0: for us. Thank you for that, Hunter. What are some of the immediate questions customers are trying to answer today? So I think broadly speaking,
1: there's two critical questions and they're high level, but every organization is trying to answer this or trying to find a better answer to this. And that is truly, what are the greatest areas of risk within my organization? What are, where are those pockets of risk that maybe I'm not appreciating are not appropriately reacting to, and then secondarily, I think you know a very, very large area of focus is how do I manage this constantly evolving regulatory landscape? It's moving at a pace that we haven't seen, you know, in recent history. I'll say, and it's happening in a bit of a patchwork across the globe. So especially when I'm talking to maybe multinational uh, customers with operations and. In Europe, in the EU, and Germany, but also in America, or maybe over in you know the Asia Pacific region, they're struggling to answer: How do I manage this patchwork of regulations that apply to my business in the different localities where I work? And how do I how do I avoid that kind of wreaking havoc with my system of controls that I've built up? They need to get to that assess once and satisfy many. And so maybe to sum that up. It's really regulatory change management. And how do I address that? Because that is not just a compliance conversation for them. It's a very tangible risk conversation. Things like GDPR and some of the more recent regulations have actual teeth on them that we haven't necessarily seen in the past. And so there's a very real, uh, I hate to bring it back to money, but there's a fiscal concern attached to a lot of these areas. And so... Figuring out how they're going to go tackle that and address it and apply it across their organization is another question that we're being asked on an almost daily basis.
0: I think for our listeners, that'll actually help them kind of resonate. Like, what are the things that they're probably thinking about or their concerns and tying back to, you know, the two points that you just mentioned. And you talked a little bit about some of the trends, you know, for our listeners, what should they be following? Or what should they be thinking about in terms of the future? Where where do you think we're going?
1: So I think some of the key elements to be looking out for are, you know, how am I going to start to break down some of the silos in my organization between potentially different compliance functions, between those technical security functions, and between our risk management functions? How am I going to start to move towards better collaboration and communication between those areas? Because... That really is, I think, a big key to the future when we talk about integrated risk management. We've got to get away from these silos to see both, you know, business and solution efficiency in those regards, but also because it's it's the right thing to do. It's actually going to contribute to our ability to maintain compliance, effectively manage our risks, secure our customers' information, whatever those concerns top of mind for our business may be, I think bringing things together whether that be through the common platform or also just through better collaboration and communication getting things out of silos. I think another big trend we're seeing is again this being a little more on that security side of the house, but a stronger focus on effective management of vulnerabilities. You know, I think everybody's always thinking about, oh, what is the what is the zero day vulnerability? Uh, things like ransomware are on the rise and they just, that, that trend has been uh, continuous. I don't think there's been a single year where we haven't heard, you know, ransomware attacks more frequent than the past year. And so starting to find a way to both more effectively manage the technical security aspects of that, but again, to actually be able to build a proactive business case around why We need to address those things and to provide that to our management audiences. So better reporting is really maybe what I'm trying to say there. And one of the keys again to that better reporting is going to be having more of that real time data accessible in one place in a reliable format tied back to a consistent risk register that we can present to those audiences and go have that investment conversation about what do we need to do in our business? What's the real risk in practical terms that this presents to us, why should we care?
0: Great, great insights and you know, visionary in terms of where we're going there, Hunter. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a great conversation.
1: It's been a pleasure speaking with you, David. Thanks again for having us.
0: And thank you to all our listeners. Please subscribe and share if you like what you heard today and be sure to join us for our next episode.